Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. For all hard rock, heavy metal bands needing worldwide exposure at affordable prices, online metal promo PR is taking bands from the underground to above ground. Visit their official website at onlinemetalpromo.net. Onlinemetalpromo.net. You need to pull the lever, Kronk. I got it now. I have fucking Wayne Wood. I wish there was a thing where I could play before we go on so we can talk a little bit before the show, but there's no such thing to do that with. You know, you could like add a delay to that, but no, you you, you know, I don't know how to do that. Well, you yeah. don't want to learn, you know. No, I do want because because you know if we can if we can get sponsored by like Luminosity Stream or something like that, you know that'd be great. If we could get um, by the Illuminati, that would be good. Luminosity too. Stream oh, oh, or Nintendo. Hey Nintendo, swine. send me free stuff. Exactly, <laughs> you know. Not every not every website is, is porn or or get penis enlargement pills there, Wayne. <laughs> or links to really bad movies yeah. that you're trying to like thrust upon us. Those are the yes. best movies, though. Those they are the best ones are the bad ones. <coughs> not this, necessarily I true. Disagree. Have you sat through Birdemic? Uh, no, not yet. I would like to, but uh, uh, how much fun did we have? Wait, don't, wait, don't don't go into the movie criticism business, okay? Hey. Yeah, you are not Siskel or Ebert. Yeah. Yes, and your idea of good movies is shit. Anyway, <laughs> yes, I recommended Demons One and Two. You recommended Motorama. Demons Two is terrible. Anyway, it's not worse than Motorama. You, that is freaking way better than that shit you fucking tried to thrust upon us. And we by thrust, we mean anally rape without saying thank you or leaving there five dollars no on the dresser drawer. Not even a reach around. That was just straight fucking thrust. Not even a reach around. You left the yeah. hot Cosby Not on her souls, Wayne. What is with the hot what, Cosby thing? Whatever, whatever you pick next better be epic. It better be like getting a reach around from a spider monkey while we're reciting the Pledge of Allegiance. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Holy shit. <laughs> No. Uh, welcome to Rat Salad Review. About time. <laughs> That's also why I'm not allowed at the zoo anymore. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't for poop. It wasn't for taking a shit in the uh, in the um, peacock pen. Amber no, I punted pe- one of those. <laughs> Whoever's watching this right now, I'm sorry. There are two people here. <laughs> uh, 
No, I'm not sorry. Uh, this is terrible. Uh, but we're going to change that right now. Today, we are going to talk about the late, great Bon Scott. But first, it's the 35th anniversary of Death Scream Bloody Gore. Cares. The best death metal album of all time. You know what? I care. (laughs) And I care so much just to piss you off. I'm going to read the fucking original press release. (laughs) (laughs) This is what you get. What you, this is what happens when you find yes. a stranger in the Alps there, Wayne. You know, uh, Greg, before we get to do that, I actually, I think I told you, I met Chuck Schundler a few times. Did I say his last name right? He's, yep. from, you know, because I'm from Tampa. And, um, you know, we used to see him at this place called the Ritz. And uh, the one conversation I remember having with him, we talked about Deep Purple. He was a big Richie Blackmore fan, believe it or not. So anyway, he was a very, very nice guy. Very, uh different from the image on on stage or the, you know so very very he was a gentleman he was a very nice guy yeah that's awesome man and everything i've ever seen about him every interviews and all, all that he's super nice dude real cool real personable yeah he's and uh very quiet actually so. yeah especially now i'm sorry it's yeah, a, go listen to another <laughs> Halloween ripoff. Yeah. Anyway, yes, it's here. The album every death metal fan has been waiting for. The debut from the most brutal band, Alive or Dead. Death. Scream Bloody Gore is the name of the LP, and it was produced by the ace Randy Burns, who certainly does the right thing by this San Franciscan slash Floridian outfit. The 10 torturous tracks include such tasteful titles as Zombie Ritual, Torn to Pieces, Baptized in Blood, and the all-time death splatter classic, Regurgitated Guts. Musically, death are squarely in in the tradition of such doom merchants as label mates possessed. The German death squad creator, nice, I like that description, and Brazilian export Sepultura. Grinding, doom-laden guitars, thundering drums, and savage vocals and screams are integral parts of the death sound. But don't be lulled into thinking that death are just another death metal band. Much of the riffing on this album is quite memorable. Death was formed in 1983 under the name of Montas by lead guitarist, vocalist, and songwriter Chuck Schindler, along with guitarist Rick Roz and drummer Cam Lee. The name was changed to death in late 1984, and since then, Chuck has gone through several lineups with the band hibernating from time to time, but never stopping. Through the release of several demos, live tapes, and rehearsals, death has become one of the underground's most popular bands, setting the stage for Scream Bloody Gore. Remember... There is no life after death. And also, interestingly enough, not only was he the main songwriter and all that, but um, he plays all the guitars and the bass on this album, despite the touring musician John Hand being pictured. Yeah, he got credited. Yes, he did get credited, and right now he's out there putting out a very horrible tribute. What it looks like to me is just him trying to cash in on the death sound of uh, shit, it sounds like he recorded on his garage and hasn't 
played a guitar in about 30 years. So John Hand, you should be ashamed of yourself, but yay, Chuck. Oh, he's actually the one watching right now. <laughs> uh, do you think Bon Scott would be a fan of death? No, not at all. Not. No, no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. I don't think so either. Uh, Manny, this was your idea. All right. So you want another, me to do another good find. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, Bon Scott was born in Australia in 1946. Actually, he was born in Scotland, migrated to, from Scotland to Australia. Uh, he had a thick Scottish accent as a young kid, and that's where the word, and that's why the nickname Bon came from, Bonnie Scott. Hmm. It stuck. Um, bon was his real name. John John Ronald. Ronald. Yeah, Ronald, Ronald, Ronald Belford Ronald. Scott. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, his first instrument was actually the drums and he was a drummer for the longest time. Um, his first professional band, he played drums, but he noticed uh, chicks dug the front man more. So he started singing. Uh, I'm giving a very short history of the man. Um, and one of the bands that he became prominent with in the, in Australia was what they call a bubblegum music, kind of like artists type called the Valentines. Um, it was him and Vince Lovegrove were the vocalist. Um, and Bond had tattoos already, so they would make him wear these uh, puffy, frilly shirts to cover him up. <laughs> they actually had a hit over there. They broke up, and then Bond formed a band called Fraternity that was based on the Canadian band, The Band. So they had that kind of similar sound. Um, Fraternity did not really get anywhere. They went to Britain to try to generate record industry interest outside of Australia. It did not work, but it was there. The fraternity changed their name to Fang, and they opened up for a band called Jordy, which featured a Brian Johnson, who Vaughn would remember and mention to Angus. Uh, so they come back to Australia in 1973. Vaughn gets in a motorcycle accident, uh, shatters his jaws on life support. That's why his teeth are missing the first few albums. Uh, Somehow he recovers and lives and does this uh, thing with the long lofty rangers that would later get released about 23 years after his death and joins ACDC in 1973, replacing Dave Evans. And as soon as John Bond joins the band, um, things start happening very quickly for them. Um, anyway, that's my real quick history of Bond. I don't think I could ever picture Bond Scott singing Take a Load Off Fanny. I mean, his first band sounded like the band. <laughs> yes. Yeah, is. check it out. It's called Fraternity. Actually, that stuff has been released and reissued uh, uh, quite a few times. Um, check that out. Thanks yeah, for recommendations. Bond's family doesn't own it. I don't think anybody does. I think it's one of those things that, you know, these guys weren't businessmen. Plus, the albums were such flops. They probably thought, well, who cares? Mm. Uh, they had no idea Bond was going to become this, you know, cultural mm. icon, not just Australia everywhere. Oh. Yeah, there's some videos on YouTube. I've watched them not too long ago. And uh, as I, I was actually watching that um, little documentary that you sent us uh, a couple last week. Yeah. I think it was yeah, that was cool. That was pretty cool. But uh, yeah, Bond was also playing like the flute or something or the recorder. Or oh, whatever yeah, it yeah. It was a recorder. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah so he was, was playing that. Yeah, it's kind of hard. It's kind of funny seeing him, you know, playing that type of music because it's like hippie type stuff. It was weird. It, 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 he was very good, actually, because he sang a lot different than he does in ACDC. So it was kind of interesting to hear him sing that way. 
Hey, back then you did whatever you had to to get a record label deal. Oh yeah. Well, uh, yeah, that's true. But I really, he really did sincerely like the the band. And uh, the difference is in ACDC, he was allowed to write melodies and lyrics. Where in Fraternity, he very rarely contributed to it. Um, also, Bond, it turns out, had a reputation for being a womanizer, a drinker, even though he's married. Uh, so. Yep. Yeah, so they, even in, even back then, he um, he must have been a very charming guy, but um, mm -hmm. yeah, he he definitely lived life like every day was his last. So, yeah. so that's my sure. one of my favorite stories is what uh, led to the writing of Whole Lot of Rosie. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a great. Story. <laughs> well, tell me what is, what is the story, people? Go ahead, uh, Manny probably uh remembers the details better than me but i believe she was uh the madam at a strip club they yep. frequented correct yeah yep that's correct she was a big woman and um so bond took her home and <laughs> so he pretended, was, yeah so that's a whole lot of rosie um but yeah. malcolm's quote is like the best ever yeah, we were all yeah, done party and realized we had to see Bond in a while. So we went looking for him, opened Rosie's door, and you just see this mound of flesh topped with red hair with this little tattooed arms sticking out from underneath. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about autoerotic asphyxiation. I mean, huge. Oh, well, like, hey, we got a good song out of it. A whole lot of Rosie. Oh, my God, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, you know, and that's one of the reasons why I just, I mean, he's like the ultimate front man, yeah, you know? Amazing. Yeah. Even not having seen his, well, I have seen his live performances, but uh, what I'm getting at is just listening to the studio songs. He puts out so much charisma and his word choice, just addiction, everything. It's just like poetry. Like you can imagine it exactly. It puts you right there fits great yeah. with the music well his his lyrics are interesting because um it doesn't just talk about womanizing or the usual shit um it's a long way to the top where he smashes rock and roll myths you know getting stone broken bone getting beat up underpaid second class and at the same time while he's announcing that you know he's basically revealing that it's all a myth he's also announcing at the same time the next heavyweight champions of rock and roll are us acdc same thing with rock and roll singer where he's basically talking about his life um so his lyrics are a lot deeper uh give me a uh gone shooting which is about uh one of his uh lovers named silver who was a heroin addict you know and that's what that song is my baby's gone shooting, you know, he, she, he, she, he took the train out of town. Anyway, I think he was a better lyricist than, than he was giving credit for. Um, that's for sure. Yeah. And like, if anything, I mean, a song like it's a long way to the top, which is about paying your dues. And I think it's safe to say that that that's a reason why bonds era of ACDC is still heralded to this day and why their success continues to this day because of that old material. How many bands came in their wake that couldn't hold a torch to the ticket sales ACDC pulls in in every city? 
Yeah, that's true. To this day, to this day, because he paid his dues. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, Bond and death became what he wasn't in life—a a mm-hmm. international superstar—and I think he still would have been a legend, but um, it definitely cemented his legend. I mean, even VH1 when they did the uh, what was it behind the music? Yes. Yeah, when they cut yeah, into I commercial, so. I still remember what the announcer said. The voice of a legend silenced. This is the same guy that Rolling Stone magazine and all these magazines damned. They barely had any coverage of his passing. The very same people that damned him are the very same people that praise him, you know, nowadays. It's kind of interesting. And that usually how it goes. History determines who the winners are. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, let's face facts. Who in the echelon of rock and roll is more heralded? ACDC, regardless of it's Bon Scott or Brian Johnson fronting the van, or Air Supply. I rest my case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're saying the Knights aren't better? <laughs> <laughs> aren't you talking about the Moody Blues? No, that was. I'm thinking of Knights and White Sad. Never mind. Even the Knights are better. Yeah. That goes to show you, I don't know Air Supply. Yeah, okay. So James, what's your opinion of Bond? I think James is gone. I think oh. I'm trying to eat while not trying to look like a slob on camera. Oh. All right, we'll get back to you. We don't want to see you eating on camera. For God's <laughs> Thank you. Sake. Yes, we oh. do. Come on. What I are you eating? I, I miss people uh, eating on the show. <laughs> uh, Wayne, uh, Wayne, what's your thoughts on Bond? Uh, I love Bond, Scott. Uh, just like how you were talking before about how he can write, how he writes his lyrics. Uh, how he writes them where you don't he doesn't need to like specifically say what's going on he just kind of like goes around it and you understand what he's talking like talking about like one of my first uh, ACDC songs that from the Bon Scott era was Big Bulls and you know he talks about you know going to ballrooms and dancing and all this stuff and when I was younger I kind of didn't understand it and then you know as I got a little older and I'm listening to the lyrics and reading lyrics I'm like wait a minute (laughs) that's not what that's about so you know just things like that that made him such a great writer and then just his uh watching some old videos of him uh you know playing live and stuff in the stage presence and just showing like how he's even though he's just a singer not playing any instruments or anything he's he you know his body is his instrument and he's you know giving his all to the the audience and everything he's part of the music just you know more than just being that singer so he was an awesome awesome front man yeah he definitely was actually he was my first rock hero um i don't i I think i'm the oldest one here i but i don't know do any of you guys remember the satanic panic of the 80s any of you guys yeah yes okay well i don't know because you guys i was like 10 in 1980 so you guys were you know yeah well we've already all heard of it you know yeah keep in mind i mean i my brothers my older brothers uh one is 15 years older than me. The other one's 12 years older than me. They were into those bands by the time I was exposed to it, like as far back as I can remember at four years old. And yeah. I remember, you know, seeing newspaper articles and magazine articles and television specials. Rock and roll is the devil's music and this and that. And that made me want to say, cool. <laughs> well, that's what happened to me. My mom used to send me to church and they had an anti-rock rally, um, if you guys remember, they would play records backwards. They literally would have a bonfire at the back, burning records. You can't make this shit up. Kids would bring in their <laughs> records and tapes. Anyway, 
at the at the thing i never listened to rock and roll my mom my parents had nothing against it just culturally it's not you know other than elvis and they didn't even like elvis you know they didn't listen yeah. to music culturally it wasn't their thing yeah. you know the beatles and all that 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 wasn't their their wheelhouse so um first they played highway to hell they told this ridiculous story still remember it to this day I'm not going to totally repeat it, but supposedly these two girls are going, they just happen to be going in ACDC concert. They happen to die on the way there and their parents happen to do a satanic funeral. I'm not making this up. I'll even tell you the, the preacher's name, the Reverend Billy Mayo. Look it up. Anyway, so and guess what song they play? Go ahead. Anyone want to guess what song did they play from the Bon Scott era? Highway to Hell. Oh, we have a winner. Yes. <laughs> Highway to Hell. Anyway, I was going to guess it was Don't Pull Your Love Out on Me, baby. Anyways. <laughs> well, they played it over the loudspeaker, and I heard that riff, and I heard that voice, and I went up to the guy and go, oh, man, this music's terrible. Can I have one of your pamphlets? And I used that pamphlet as a handy buying guide. And Highway to <laughs> Hell is the first one I bought, uh, and it was my first rock hero. Wow. That's yeah. too funny. Yeah, I'd so, be so afraid to have lived in the Bible Belt if, in the 80s. That would have been crazy. Well, well, I lived in um, in Largo, which is about 20 miles from here. Not exactly the Bible Belt, but very conservative, you know, type of area. Uh, I don't know so much anymore, but it was that. Oh. So how did uh, Wayne, how did you discover that version of ACDC? Um, probably the radio, but the, the, like I said, that song, big balls really got me into ACDC more because I was a huge wrestling fan and I went to an ECW show and balls Mahoney used that song as his entrance theme song. So yeah. And so, so hearing him come into that song and the crowd going, the whole crowd singing it while, while at it, he is no selling the pop. This guy we used to get coming out there every time he punched. Every time he did anything, a big giant chant of balls came out. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, you know, Lou just... can attest to this too. Yeah. It was the greatest era of wrestling I could have ever experienced. <laughs> <laughs> so, seeing things like that, you know, really got me into like, uh, you know, I got to check out more ACDC stuff. So, if it wasn't for that moment, probably wouldn't, you know, eventually I'd get to the ACDC stuff, the early stuff, but uh, that, you know, made me get there. And yeah. James, we, we didn't get to you before, James. About yeah, that. James, yeah. So I actually get to use this line from the 80s. I learned it from watching you, Dad. Uh-huh. My dad had a mixtape while we were driving from Nevada to California. And it had Dirty Deeds done dirt cheap on one of them. Hmm. So my first thing of ACDC is Bon Scott. I did not know about Brian Johnson. Hmm. Oh, wow. It was, it was just straight. And it wasn't like it went easy. We went straight in with dirty deeds. <laughs> hey. And then of course, you know, of course then I heard big balls and, and all the other songs um, afterwards, but uh, um, talking about my, my opinion on Bon Scott too, while I was, uh, while I was trying to stuff my face, cause I haven't ate yet today. Um, if he was born in the United States, I believe he would have been one of the greatest blue singers we have. Ooh. Because he's an amazing, he had an amazing blues canter. He just, he fit with a blues song. Every time ACDC went heavy blues, you can just, he just, it was his thing. I mean, even his last song, Right On, is still, it's so bluesy. It's just, it's amazing. The Jack. The Jack. 
Yeah. Big balls is very yeah. blue. Crab City and Blue. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's there so many. There's best, so many best songs. Song that... about getting the fucking STD there ever was. Yeah. Always <laughs> walking. Yeah, but sideways walking. See, oh, even that, yeah. you can st- you start doing the cancer. He was a blues singer if he was in the United States. I just believe that he didn't get ex- he didn't get. That's the best way to put it. He didn't get shown it at the younger younger age being in Australia. Well, you know, Australia back then wasn't, you know, we we live today, so we can we kind of think of the whole world as connected, but Australia back then was always behind because they had the the records had to be imported or they had to wait for servicemen, American servicemen and British servicemen who would bring the stuff in. So yeah, yeah I mean, all this stuff was discovered very secondhand. And um you know, Bond's heroes were blues guys, but he loved Little Richard and he loved, um, you know, yeah, he, lo- he loved the blues, Muddy Waters and yeah. Little yeah. Walter and and all this stuff. So you're right. You know, it's funny. He's he's um, he got classified as a heavy singer. And in a way he is, you know, because he kind of he kind of created the style in some ways. Um but yeah, he sang from the gut, and you are absolutely correct, James. I will. And, 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 and this is and this is not. I'm not gonna gonna besmirch Brian Johnson. It's just a different way. Brian Johnson's more of a punk, you know, that type of singer. Where you know, of course, he came from a punk band. So, well, know, I, I he, think Brian Johnson is a good is a good man. I, what uh, I like about Brian is he didn't try to be Bon Scott. You know, Brian was his own man. Um, you know, I, I could you I can't imagine the pressure Johnson was under, you know, to, to replace Bond. Um I I but I, I think he did a fantastic job and the success oh, he's, he's taking it in his own different way, yeah. which is which is which is great, you know, but it is it is different and oh, I definitely do definitely different. I prefer I prefer no get me wrong, Back in Black is an amazing album. Yeah. And he does an amazing job and he's done some great songs there. They're just not. They're not Bon. He's not Bon Scott. Well, I mean, lyrically, given the dog a bone and what do you do for honey, money, honey? I love those songs, but if you were to look at the lyrics, that would have never been penned by Bon. That's why I always find it funny. People think that Bon had something to do with songwriting. I don't doubt he may have, you know, helped out with the melodies or something before he passed away. Maybe song titles, but he would have never written anything is um, I, I actually have a partial answer for that Manny there was um, it was only either three or four songs that they started to demo with him at the time and it was really just the melody tracks and some words the only thing he really wrote a decent amount of lyrics to was actually Hell's Bells well they say you shook this. Uh, there's this book right here um, I don't know if you can see it but it's the one I would recommend. Um, it's written by Australia. He, he in it, he makes him and one of Bond's former girlfriends claim that um, "You Shook Me All Night Long" was part of Bond's idea, especially on the line, knocking me out with those American thighs, because Bond had a American right. girlfriend and rock and rolling noise pollution. I think he just came up with the title, but there's no proof of any of this, so we don't know. You know, no, the, the, the only one that there's actually proof of as a demo is Hell's Bells. Did you yeah. hear it? It's never been released. It was oh. just mentioned in a book. 
Um, I can't, I can't remember which band member said it, but that's like the Holy grail of ACDC. If anyone can get their hands on it. I don't know if I, I mean, I, like I said, I don't doubt that he, cause I know he went into, into the rehearsals. That's why they were in London. They were, uh, mm-hmm. they just literally just finished a tour and they were just doing rehearsal demos because Mutt Lang was going to produce what turned into back in black. He was on board for that already. Um, yep. but you know, we don't, we know he drummed on some tracks cause Phil Rudd was probably in Australia or something, you know, they didn't need him over there, but so it was just the two brothers and Vaughn and their management. But we don't, we don't really know how much was written or, you know, what really transpired really. But like, I think some of the lyrics, like I said, I just don't think they're up to Bon Scott standards. So I don't think he wrote a majority of those lyrics in my opinion. But Back in Black is interesting because, you know, I got Nine Lives, Cat Size, Busting It Every... I mean, it mentions Vaughn Scott's sexual brogado in it, and he's not there, you know? So that, that album is definitely haunted by Vaughn's spirit. Anyway, I've talked too much, gentlemen. I apologize. Who's no, next? No, 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 no. You're, 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 this, is, this, is, this is your wheelhouse. You can you get really... You know more than more, more than a, most of yeah. us. <laughs> oh. I mean, for me, it, for me, it's just like a reaction to the songs and everything. Like, you know, I was commenting, listening, re-listening to Dirty Deeds, the whole album, and just like, holy shit, this freaking album. Just, it says, you know, moves forward and just had a... It was just amazing experience just to relive it because i haven't listened to the full album and of course then greg should you know before that had shown the the out the aussie album cover which is yeah i've got amazing. That the, yeah which has got the cool uh character on it yeah, yeah. so have it greg yep. yeah yeah i used to have a voltage australian version on vinyl and i got rid of it i, I you know but i managed to keep the dirty deeds and i had the <laughs> tnt um What's sad about Dirty Deeds is that it was not released in the United States until 1981. Um, Atlanta Records refused to release it, and they asked them to re-record it. They basically told them to go, screw yourselves, we ain't recording nothing. And that's why Problem Child showed up on Let It Be Rock, um, because originally Dirty Deeds wasn't released until 1981. By then, Bond was dead. Uh, Their back catalog just started selling like crazy. Um, in the United States, so they released Dirty Deeds against the, sort of against the band's wishes, but that's why it also has that weird cover on it. Um, and that well, thing sell millions, so it wasn't released in the U.S. until '81, right? That, is, the cover by Hip, Hip, Hypnosis and that track list was the original international version that came out in the mid '70s. Yeah, because the Australian one's got Rock and Peace and yeah, Jailbreak. That was it. Yeah, was. Rock and Peace and Jailbreak. Yep. Yeah, that's a great cover. <laughs> yeah, God, it's such an amazing cover. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, most yeah. of those, most of the and the tracks are sequenced differently. Definitely. I was just gonna yeah. say most of those first uh, albums with Bon Scott on them are, I think, actually all of them are in different order, right, from the U.S. Uh, yeah. Yes, except for well, um, Highway to Hell. And oh, Powerage. And Powerage? No, well, Powerage is different in Europe. It oh, has really? Old Hearted Man on it. Yeah. And Rock and Roll Damnation is not on it either. Rock and Roll Damnation was recorded strictly for the American market to try to get them a radio hit. And the band actually weren't particularly thrilled with that song originally. Originally, but it, it's actually... Tell. 
pretty damn good song. Yeah, uh, I love that song. Yeah, they it's actually a good song, but you can tell they don't give a shit about the song because it's like I it don't know, a... it's got one of Bond's best lyrics. You know, living on the streets, you got to practice what you preach. I mean, is it? Oh, no, right? no, 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 yeah. no, no, no. It's it's still it's still <laughs> yeah. got it's still great value, yeah. but you can tell that they just it it didn't have the. You're saying it was like a quick three minute ditty they were able to write in three minutes and just say, okay, fuck it, let's just send it out. Pretty much, yeah. basically, yeah. Basically, they, they, they're like, they're like, well, we're not going to practice this shit. We're just going to fucking put it on there. We're just going to do it live. Got it. We're doing live. <laughs> God, most of those albums are recorded live until they get to Mutt Lang, but even then, they. Um. Yeah. Well, the only one that was really truly recorded live in the studio. Well, the first one, because Power Age pretty much was too. But um, Let There Be Rock was the first time they recorded fully live in the studio because they were absolutely pissed that Dirty Deeds was rejected by the American market because they had had this whole American tour plan that they had to cancel. So they just went in and wrote the nastiest, meanest shit they could think of and played it completely live in the studio. I mean, there's there's pictures of Angus rolling around on the ground like he did during the live shows as he was recording the guitar solos for that album. <laughs> well, that makes complete and utter sense. Because if you listen to the cut of Whole Lotta Rosie, after he screams, you know, you could say she's got it all. There's like a missed cue there or something where like the measure, um, like there's a, there's a beat that either goes on too long and all of a sudden they cut back into it. I'm like, what's the timing of that? live they get it done every time but I'm just, it makes complete and utter sense now okay. yeah yeah there's a distinct cut there and you're like what the fuck yeah yep. they must have been a hell of a live band because acdc did uh day of the green or whatever it's called uh, greg correct me if i'm wrong um it was acdc ted nugent van halen anyway yep. right before van halen acdc came on and van halen's backstage they don't care because they don't know who they are and they hear this noise so Eddie and David Lee Roth look at each other. They go run to see who it is. They've never seen these guys before. And Eddie Van Halen just said it was incredible. He said uh, they sounded just like the album. Bond didn't move a muscle, but he was charismatic. You know, he, they, him and David Lee Roth were just blown away. They just couldn't believe what they had seen. Uh, Could you imagine going to that show? The warm-up uh, act is Ted Nugent, who, who, can, who can shred when he wants to. Yeah. And then and then and then AC fucking DC comes up and then Van Halen magically has to come out there and top that. Oh, they didn't even want to follow yeah. him. I mean, they, yeah. they were just like, <laughs> yeah. I... Of course, that would probably give a give Eddie a little bit of a little bit of oomph motivation to to put out a freaking rift or two that out there. Yeah, probably. But you know, um the other thing is any uh both uh you know david lee rock rarely compliments anybody but he ain't did that say, the truth he's he did say nice things about bond now he might have said him because bond passed away but you know <clears throat> no nah, dave generally seems to be pretty truthful with genuine statements about that about people he likes because um he said some really nice things about budgie over the years and he was super into them back when van halen first started out they used to cover in for the kill in the clubs, actually. Mm. Oh, that's cool. So was Eddie for what it's worth. <laughs> so Lou, um, where did you come in with ACDC? With spe- well, especially the Bon Scott era, I should ask. 
All right. So um, I'll dilute this as best as possible. So again, growing up, my brothers had the Brian Johnson era cassettes. So they had Back in Black. They had Fly on the Wall. They had, um, well, actually, those are the only two they did have. But I discovered for those about to rock and flick of the switch and fly on the wall because of U68. So my brother went out and bought fly on the wall. So that's really the only ACDC we knew. Uh, when I visited Greece in 88, um, there's a family members of ours who was visiting from Australia. His name is Mick. Not kidding you. His name is Mick. And he was telling us about, you know, Bon Scott. I'm like, who the hell is Bon Scott? I only thought. ACDC existed with Brian Johnson. Mm. Well, fast forward three years later, I start building up my cassette collection. And the first ACDC cassette I remember getting was Who Made Who? And what song is on that? Right on. And I heard this singer that I've never heard before. I'm like, that's not Brian Johnson. I was like 10 or 11 Mm. when I first heard it. And I loved it because he was able to, he emotes differently than Brian Johnson. So two completely different vocal styles, both great at what they do, but different. And like everything, when I get passionate about something, then I try to dig deeper into the well. And that's when I discovered uh, Dirty Deeds, Dunder Cheap, Highway to Hell, and, you know, um, Let There Be Rock. For the longest time, Let There Be Rock was my favorite ACDC album. And that's just on the strength of the, uh, title track go down and um whole lot of rosie but um and i know a lot of hardcore acdc fans would say that their best album was powerage believe it or not i hear more people say powerage is their best album my favorite to this day is still highway to hell like that's an album that i'll never get sick of i could still listen to it from start to finish i'm not burnt out on it like I'm burnt out on um, You Shook Me All Night Long. I mean, I love Back in Black, but that's like the one song I'm burnt out on. Like, if I never hear it again, throw it in there with Stairway to Heaven and Freebird. I'll, I'll be okay. But um, How dare you say that about Freebird? Anyways, back to my story. Um, uh, whatever. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, that and, that, and that's how I discovered... Uh, Bon Scott, you know, like, and, and all the uh, stories that came in the wake of his passing, you know, hearing from like all the artists that he influenced and all the journalists that put out good material about them. Like, I thought that behind the music on ACDC was one of the best ones that they ever did, Absolutely. you know, and it was so complimentary to him and, you know, very honoring of him. And they had his mom on there. It showed that the brothers uh, were still hurt by his loss and how much Brian Johnson tried to honor him by you know being himself essentially while still honoring him um and it's funny because to this day like i still love the johnson era but i find myself listening more to the bon scott era and i'm always hearing something new and different every time i listen to it so what's interesting about that behind the music is the brothers talked about bon like he was still alive if you remember like yeah 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 Yeah, they never they never processed his death yeah, I don't I, I don't think they've let it go, you know. I mean, obviously they've moved on, they have a bad they have a great career, you know, they've all gotten married, they're not living in the past, but I, I yeah, it was interesting. They talked about him like 
he's still here. Like he's going to walk in the room. It was very interesting the way they talked about yeah. him, you know. Now, the one thing I have to ask this, Lou, you, you just you just dropped a nice little Easter egg. There is a Mick, there is a Mick Mavs running around there. Does he look like you, but is Australian? Please tell me this is going on. I want to see Lou with Australian accent and all that jazz. Please tell me. Uh, <laughs> the answer must be yes. Oh, the answer <laughs> definitely yes. Shane in those ankles is high tense of steel. <laughs> I, what it's going to take you about five minutes to cut through that ankle with this saw. Now, if you're lucky, you could probably hack through your ankle in five seconds. <laughs> I want I want this guy to walk in there, look like Lou with a big freaking can of Victoria bitters or something like that. Just he looks nothing like boy, boy. Kind of looking. <laughs> That was a horrible Australian accent, but I did my best. Hey, Greg, what about you? How'd you uh, get into the Bond era? Well, uh, Bond the Bond Scott era was actually the first I ever really heard and paid attention to ACDC. Um so that was what made me the biggest fan. Really, I got kind of into both around the same time. And I had heard, you know, Big Gun from Last Action Hero was real popular and shit like that on the radio. But I never really put two and two together for much of that because I did like rock. I did listen to stuff, but I was still fairly young. And when I was about 11 or so in the cul-de-sac we lived in, there was this uh, guy named Carl. He was getting older, starting a family and all that shit. And he thought it was cool. I liked the metal and the rock. So he would give me all the old cassettes and VHS tapes and shit like that. And um, what was it? I had a couple different um, samplers, I think, that my dad had. So I just named them some bands and he gave me cassettes of Highway to Hell to start off Iron Maiden's Power Slave wasp first album and queen shrike warning and so that was really the first acdc album i heard and i just loved it i went nuts for it i was like yeah give me everything you got so (laughs) powerage let there be rock um the hell else did he have i think the international version of high voltage and let there be rock the concert so, you know, to me, that was all high-octane electrifying. Um, Highway to Hell's my favorite album from them. I, all right. it's, it's, it's such a shame that he was never able to create Back, back in Black with um, the rest of the band and that he died before that because as much as I love their earlier albums, Mutt Lang really taught him some different ways to sing oh, that yeah. were really interesting and while yes that was their big break were arena i would have loved to have heard them in the fuller sound and all um all gung-ho on back and black i think it would have been awesome it's a shame it never happened it's a shame my lang is i mean he's he doesn't talk much anyway he's done a few interviews not in about 30 years but to this day he's never talked about bond ever you know he's nope yeah, he's mentioned Brian, and I think him and Bond sort of became friends. Uh, apparently, Bond um, was a really nice guy, but if he respected you, you that must have, you know, he what you won him over. He wasn't a jerk. Like, he, he wasn't a kind of guy that, you know, if he didn't like you, he's going to, you know, treat you right. like a jerk. But if he really respected you, 
and he respected Mutt Lang as you pointed out. He taught him how to sing differently, you know. Yep. Uh, yeah. And and that's where I actually read that was some old. I'm going to say Rolling Stone, but I really don't remember. It could have been any rock magazine, but it was an interview with him after um, Highway to Hell had come out. And that was one of the things he said in there is he was really super excited about this new direction for the band because he really liked this producer. And he was talking about how they really got on. And he taught me things to do with my voice that I didn't even know I could do before. Well, what, what amazed Mutt Lang about Bond's voice, besides how it sounded, is that the guy could go walk up to a mic and sing with full power, you know, and what he what he taught Bond to do is sing from the diaphragm and 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 don't use the throat as much. And Bond was amazed. Nobody ever took the time to the fact that he was open to listen to some because Bond been doing this a while, you know, that he was open to listen to someone to take direction. Uh, that shows lack of ego on Bond's part. Not as a, not, I don't mean lack of ego. He didn't have an ego, meaning that he was willing to learn at that stage. Um, Even though he gave him direction. That's true. That's true. And, I you think, know, yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Manny. No, no, I was going to say probably George Young was probably afraid to tell, you know, to try something. I don't know. Probably. And we're talking about Mon Lang. This is the guy who, his his first album produced with Def Leppard was High and Dry, and he pushed them until they couldn't do it anymore on yeah. that album. So, th- to me, he produced the best Def Leppard album. He. Uh oh. Uh oh. Ah, crap. He froze. He froze. Take a he pitch. froze again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you feel yeah, so. Much. It, 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 you know, it just it sucks because yeah, like but, the most um, the most popular ACDC album is, you know, yeah, Black and Black. What, and, what, one thing I did want to say before you uh, got into that, just not that my perspective is wholly different on the different eras, but like I said, I love the Bond stuff and I gravitated to that more, even though I basically got into it at the same time and. I've never disliked Brian as a singer. Like he, he's certainly not my favorite, but there was just a, a different energy, not even so much the lyric writing to ACDC when Bon Scott was alive, that as much as I like Back in Black and for those about to rock and as good as Back in Black is, I still don't feel it feels like the same as what came before it. Like, yes, it's no, still no. ACDC, but it's not really what, to me is prime ACDC. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but um, it doesn't have the energy as the Bon Scott era yeah. did. Where was and, I cut off? And honestly, with the lyrics, I mean, you know, <clears throat> to me, it kind of made a big deal with some stuff later on. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, Lou, Lou, you started saying the best blank, and then it just freaking well, the best. So oh, the best Def Leppard album, and then and then the I, I I thought he I thought he produced the best Def Leppard album, the best ACDC album, and the best album ACDC could have released as a tribute to Bond. Yeah, absolutely, I yeah. agree with all of that. And then I got cut off, fucking yeah. internet. Well, I mean, it, it it's it, it, it like for me the the you know as a, when I played in in music and everything like that, the the hardest band directors were the ones I learned the most from. 
the ones that push you to that absolute limit and you get you get pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and you don't know where your limit is and you're thinking this is my limit and it's not anywhere close i feel that way about some producers i've worked with absolutely i've got a question for all of you do you think back in black would have been as big if bond was alive or do you think the publicity behind his death brian maybe more commercial though i don't really think he is that much more commercial than bond was um do you think that album would have sold as much as it has? I mean, at this point, it's the best-selling or second-best-selling rock album beside The Eagle. And if ACDC was still considered a heavy metal band, it'd be considered the best-selling heavy metal band album of all time. So what do you guys think? Do you think oh, that yeah, it would so. have been... Uh, I think it's huge. an unfair question to ask. His death definitely did help that album sell as much as it did, but I think it would have did, it would have did just as well. I, I would imagine. With I di- I I disagree with that. I think I think his death was the reason why everyone jumped on the ace on that on that um, album. I, only only I, because only because everybody was you know was was loving it, and then you know they wanted to hear what a and then and then when you and then when it came out and you hear that first riff of riff of back and black, you want you want the album, you know. Yeah. So so I think I think his death did open the door for more people because now they knew who acdc was i think the album back and black itself was really opening them up for america i mean that album is as americana as you get i mean how many times you go to a sporting event and you'll hear hell's bells or you'll hear shoot the thrill or uh back in black i'll hear those songs more in sports arenas than anything mm-hmm. so except for I, fucking rock you like a hurricane Point taken, but the uh, and, and you know, bring it back. I, uh, we uh, ours, ours is welcome to the jungle and uh, doc, uh, was it, uh, oh god, what's the Motley Crue song? Girls, uh, girls, girls, no, wild side, no, shot of the devil, live no. wire, red hot, live. I think it is live wire, it's <laughs> I think it's live wire. They yeah, played a lot door, the, 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 the one, the one with like the big, the big uh. The big wind up, the the big wind oh, up. Oh, kickstart my heart. Kickstart my heart. There it is. Yeah. And you I'm mean sorry, key, key key my heart? heart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you fucking New Yorkers. But uh, I was gonna bring it back too. Again, to the wrestling thing. A lot of the wrestlers from ECW had like almost every song from that Back in Black album. You know, every, they all came out with something from that album. Yeah, Chris Candido had Back in Black. Um, yeah. But Spike Dudley had Highway to Hell. He had Highway yeah. to Hell. The, all, the, uh, all the Dudleys had Highway to Hell. Um, right. And, and um, I was going to say Bam Bam Bigelow, but no, he had something else. Yeah, Welcome to the Jungle. Yeah, yeah Welcome to the Jungle. But there was a lot of people who used uh, stuff for that album. There was all, they, they all used it. I mean, freaking, I mean, they were all ripping music, which was great. I mean, RVD coming out to walk. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't uh, know that I'd yeah. call that great, but. <laughs> Here's an inter- he's he likes Pantera, not Pantera, James. Well, that's just a horrible song. It's but... it's 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 not about that. It's that about he the the wrestler with the charisma that Rob Van Dam had coming out to that song. Right, this, the, yeah, Manny, do you, do you I have will... to pick up your kids. I don't want to go. No, too long. keep going. Not okay. tonight. Right. No, keep going. I will say this though: more bands today cover the Bond era than they do the anything later so i definitely hear so many people cover i mean i think 
Annihilators played Bon Era. Um, Guar on their last album, not the one they're releasing this year, but the previous one, they had If You Want Blood, You've Got It as the uh, closing track. Um, you know, Exodus, although they originally recorded the cover in 89, but they still do overdose live sometimes. Right. So, you know, I mean, his influence is still prevalent today. Well, I, I, uh, all my albums are kind of, uh, in boxes, but, uh, Alison Krauss, the bluegrass slash country. Love singer. her music. Yeah, right. I do too. Uh, one of her albums, her favorite singer, she's probably stated, I'm sure you can back me on this is Bon Scott and Paul Rogers, by the way, is the other one. And no, she, uh, one of the that. albums is deliberately designed to look like uh, highway to hell. So, you know, if you look at her, uh, discography she she also did a lot of those acdc things after dale earnhardt's death because dale earnhardt was a huge uh allison krauss fan oh wow well she i think she does right on sometimes which makes sense but i gotta hear that yeah i mean look it up but she should i i believe she does that i'm not sure she's my her and bella fleck i would say are my two favorite bluegrass musicians so yeah well well her stuff with robert plant's fantastic oh yeah um now, Andrew, I was watching that documentary that you sent us before, yeah. uh, Manny. Um, towards the end, it seemed like he was kind of getting bored, maybe with his life and, and even just with the music in general. Do you think that he would have continued with ACDC? I think, think he was going to leave at some I, point. No, I think he would have continued. I think a lot of that. He was, you know, keep in mind, he was only 33 when he died. But they had been on. Bon Scott had been a professional musician with varying degrees of success since the 60s. He'd been on the road literally since he was, you know, probably 18 years old. Mm. When he joined ACDC, he was 28. He had just gotten over a motorcycle accident. He thought his career was over. He thought, oh, my God, I'm 28. I'm old. Keep in mind, there was no such thing as 40-year-old rock stars. Mick Jagger wasn't even 30 yet. I mean, Mm. in 1974. Um. Yeah, don't forget the the relative age of the young brothers to him was a decade at least. A decade, yeah, a Mm. decade. Um, Yeah, I think he was getting tired of being on the road, and I think he was take. I think why the irony of his passing was he was taking stock of his life. He was trying to drink less, but you can't just stop when you're at that level. Go ahead. The night of his passing, he was partying with Pete Way of UFO. Yeah, that was one of the people he was partying with. And if you've read Pete Way's book, I mean, talk about debaucherous. He made Bon and Ozzy combined look like a saint. (laughs) Like, that's how out of his mind Pete Way was. Oh, he totally was completely out of his mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, But I think and this is my opinion, speculation, what I read. I think Vaughn was taking stock of his life. He's starting to wonder, is all this hard work worth it? We're about to break America, so he's going to stick it out. I think he would have stayed, you know, regardless. But uh, the, the times were changing, and he definitely, if he would have lived, I think by 83, 84, he would have had to go to um, Betty Ford or whatever because he would have become a liability because by then, ACDC, it wasn't the 70s anymore. That kind of behavior uh, wasn't going to be as indulged as it was. I mean, look at Ozzy, how many times he went to rehab. So, But I think he was taking stock of his life. Um, I think he wanted to get remarried. I think he wanted children, or at least he think he did. I don't think he was sure what he wanted, but he wanted more than being a man on the road. He wanted an actual life. 
And right. it's yeah. ironic. He was, he was about to get that and he passes away, you know, so. And don't forget with the release of Highway to Hell, ACDC was opening for bands like Rush and Kiss in the States. So right. they were opening arena shows by that time. You know, they yeah. were headlining venues like the Palladium, which is sort of like a, a, a bigger version of what the Roseland Ballroom was. But, uh, you know, by the time that that era, you know, was, was culminating, they they were starting to take off. So Bond was probably seeing more success than he ever did. So, you know, I don't think it would be odd for him to reevaluate what was important to him, you know, especially considering his age. Yeah, he was 33 and, you know, he, he, well, I think one of the, one of the things that happened is he went to Australia the year, right, uh, 1979, he died in February of 1980 and he saw some old friends there and they, they had families and all that. And Bond never expressed a want to have a family. And I, um, but suddenly something awoke in him like oh my god i'm 30 i'm gonna be 33 i'm 34 what am i doing you know all this stuff angus young had just gotten married recently or or was about to get married so i think a lot of this uh because all the other guys in acdc i think phil was the only one i'm not sure they're all had married already there or were settling down right when highway to hell was about to be really you know was released so i think he was married a couple of times What's that? <laughs> Phil was married a couple of times before he realized his true love for Romanian prostitutes. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably oh, but um, that's just my opinion that he was, you know, he bal- you know, I don't think he would have left. Um, but I also don't think that uh, Bond would be seventy-five if he was alive today. Right. Um, I don't think Bond would still be alive um, unless he had changed his evil ways to quote right on. So mm-hmm. one thing to take into account though from Flick of the Switch, that was the last album that they released consecutively in a year. Right. So you know, you went, you know, 79 Highway to Hell, 80 back in black, 81 for those about to rock, and then 82 they had that break. 83 was when Flick of the Switch came out. So from then on, it's like ACDC sporadically released albums and went on tours in bigger venues. Right. So that they wouldn't have to play like all these small cities or, you know, they were able to play bigger halls, less time on the road, more money in their pocket, go home, take it easy. So I think that they uh, would have accommodated Bond or I think Bond would have accommodated that touring life. What are you laughing at, Wayne? Your voice. (laughs) Yeah. Kid got me sick again. Yeah. But I, I, I agree with Lou. I think, um, I think so too. And, you know, even in Let There Be Rock, if you ever have, I don't know when the last time any of you seen that concert film, but, you know, Bond's walking down the street and uh, the filmmaker, he was a terrible interviewer, whoever the filmmaker was, but he goes, the boys say you're something special. Bond goes, oh, they'll say anything. He didn't, even then, it would tell them, they, they didn't take him for granted. They really cared about him and they would tell him he's special and, you know, not to tell him that to boost his ego. They just wanted to know, you know, they realized what he had done for their career. Prior to Bond Scott, they were playing these shit clubs with Dave Evans. They had released a single, Can I Sit Next to You, Girl? And as soon as Bond joined, it's almost no exaggeration. Suddenly the places became more packed, you know, in Australia. And, and uh, 
he definitely changed the uh, trajectory, uh, the uh, the path that band was going on. Kind of annoys me that Dave Evans kind of touts around the original lead singer of ACDC. Hmm. And I'm like, yeah, and what else could you say about yourself? What have you done since you got kicked out of ACDC? Look, no, nobody acknowledges him. Okay, technically, was he? Yes, but nobody acknowledges him as the real original singer of ACDC. It's like, oh, well, there's this band called ACDC, and then there was ACDC when Bon Scott was in it. Kind of so it's like the whole Al Atkins Judas Priest I just thing. Say, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. But 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 Atkins did write "Victim of Changes," so I'll give him that credit. And okay. yeah, That's but more still, than Dave even Evans by ever the did. time of Rockarola, I mean, they sounded significantly, or were starting to sound significantly different from how they did with Atkins. He might have contributed you. some lyrics to "Victim of Changes," but generally, he's full of shit. I think that melody's Rob yeah. Apples, but that's me because. But anyway, even well, I mean, did you just say uh, what? Could you repeat what you just said, Manny? Yeah, I think that victim of changes. Yes, that Atkins gets songwriting credit, but I'm pretty sure that's Halford's melody. I mean, I have you heard out Al, Al uh, Atkins' solo album that he put out like 300 years after he was in Judas Priest? Yes, and he released the cover of "Victim of Changes." Yeah, on. and I rest my case. Anyway, because well, I was going to compare it, I remember Rod Evans, the original lead singer of Deep Purple, went on tour in the United States as Deep Purple, oh. and people were like, "Where's Richie? Where's John Lord?" Yeah. And yeah, he got sued for quite a bit of money over by that Deep Purple. Too. Yeah, yeah. And, and he lost whatever royalties he had to give that up. I don't, I don't agree with that. I think maybe by now they've given him back. He wouldn't have gotten much anyway. He didn't, he wasn't a songwriter. Well, it was he, he. He couldn't afford to pay <laughs> the that, penalty. That makes sense. So sounds like, sounds like a real misfits issue. We won't yeah, discuss but you know the misfits. What? Rod Evans contributed to that version of Deep Purple. Where I'm sorry, yes. I'm with Lou. Uh, what did? Evans ever did plus Rod Evans Captain Beyond so he actually had a career beyond Deep Purple um, even if it didn't last into the 80s but what did Evans All right, do? I, I, I'm just uh, uh, you know comparing the fact that he went out as Deep Purple yeah. when the band had already broken up by then. Well, it kind of makes me sad about like Paul Diano. Paul Diano could have had a, a semi-successful solo career if he had gotten his shit together but whenever he tours it's always the Iron Maiden stuff. And but he Diano, chose to leave Maiden. That's the yeah. unfortunate thing. Yeah. And Paul Diano's Battle Zone actually was pretty good, in my opinion. It, was. it wasn't great, but it was pretty good. You know? But glad to see Paul Diano's feeling better right now. Apparently him and Steve saw each other backstage at Maiden's show in Croatia recently. That was pretty cool to see. It yep. was cool to see. Um yeah, I, I I don't want. I wonder what the relationship is between those two men. It's got to be it's civil. Been so long though, it's got to be civil by now. I mean, that was it's civil. Yeah, I mean, when 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 Bruce had his cancer scare, um, you know, Diana wished him well on stage. Uh, so there's no bad blood there. So, well, they also. I mean, I know he's not rich, Paul Diana, but they they didn't screw him out of royalties or anything like that, like you hear of other people. Far as I know, no. I mean, they paid him thirty thousand when he quit, and said that's all you're getting. And he said, "Okay, I'll take it." So, if the deal that you accepted 
was less than what you really should have asked for, well, it's on you. Well, that's true. But again, it's hard to guess that even in the case of ACDC, uh, I think uh, in that special, his brother, Bond's brother goes, you know, what would Bond think of him still being remembered? He'd, he'd have a laugh and a drink. Nobody in their wildest imagination would imagine, especially music like that, that was at the time. Oh, it, remember, they were labeled a heavy metal band. That was 1979. You know, this heavy metal shit, satanic shit, this guy can't sing. Who would have thought that there'd be value in it, you know, 40 plus years later? Certainly sure. not the creators of it. That's funny. Uh, anything else, um, Greg? Nope. <laughs> you know, I never thought of ACDC as a heavy metal band. I never nope. either. I always, I, I, I back then, their, their yes. Rock, music translates to everything. I mean, have you heard of Hasey Dixie? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But Lou, you got to keep in mind that's what they were labeled in the right, 70s and 80s, you yeah. know? Yeah. I mean, Guns N' Roses yeah, but... labeled heavy metal now, you know? So. But Poison was labeled heavy metal then exactly. too, and I was just well, like, "Death yeah. Rolls Hall won the freaking Grammy for it." You know That's what? I can make a case yeah. of Jethro Tall being a more of a heavy metal band than Poison, but that's me. Yeah. Remember, Iomi <laughs> was a member of Jethro Tall for one performance. Uh, and Aqualung and uh, well, I think it was Aqualung's got pretty heavy. They've got their heavy material. When did Wayne turn into Rocket Raccoon? Now he's a cow. No, he's a cow. God, he's starting to play with the zoom filters, folks. I am starting to play with the zoom filters. <laughs> Wayne, you never look so attractive. Yeah, I know. It's actually Wayne with hair. Look at it. He actually has hair. <laughs> I don't have hands, though. That sucks. Uh, it's Lou you know, Scott. You have to trade one for the yeah. other. Uh, Lou, we already know what your favorite uh, Bond Scott era ACDC album is. What about you, Manny? Oh, Highway to Hell. It was the first rock album I ever bought. It was the first rock album that I uh, ever fell in love with. And this obsession with music began right there. So thank you, Bon, wherever you're at. I owe you a yes, lot. thank you. What about you, James? Thank you. That's uh, 30 Deeds. 30 Deeds. Greg? And you, Mr. Moon? What about Greg? Uh, for, right. for me, he said for highway me to it's hell. High, Highway to Hell. Oh, he did say Highway to Hell. But... I mean, power age is pretty close. It's almost even. <laughs> Fucking killer. Wayne, what about uh, you? God, you know what? It's very hard for me to pick because uh, I love high voltage. I love, uh, well, TNT, the Australian version, and, and high voltage, the international version or the US version are kind of the same. Um, the only one I, I don't really care for is Let There Be Rock. Highway to Hell is awesome. They have so many. Um, I'm going to go with high voltage. The American version. All right, cool. Because there's some really cool songs on there that aren't on the Australian version. So because it's pretty much TNT and and, yeah. <laughs> and everything yeah. together. Yeah. But no, it, there, I mean, there's three songs on it from the original Aussie High Voltage. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's an awesome album. Uh, no wrong answer. There really is. Yeah, there's no wrong answer. There really is not because <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. just one good album well, after the other. Honestly. <laughs> There, there really isn't a wrong answer, but if someone did pick the original Australian version of High Voltage, I'd have to ask the reasoning. <laughs> it's, a, it's still a because good album, but yeah. It's, the, the rest of them are much better, though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, like I said, I have a lot to thank Bond for, so 
Thank you, bro. And I would recommend, uh, if you guys are readers, I would recommend this book if you can find it. Uh, That's a big if. The Last Highway. That's... I, it shouldn't be that hard to find. It, it wasn't published that long ago. You can find interviews with them, but uh, I have several books on ACDC, but just the one I would recommend uh, if you're interested in reading about his life. You know, the summer reading season is upon us, Manny, and you know, a lot of people need to be reading some books. And... <laughs> I appreciate that Rat Salad Review can also be as a, considered a book club recommendation of sorts. I mean, I mean, how, how far removed are we from a book club? I mean, come on. Let's be real. Welcome to Rat's Eye Review Reader's Digest. <laughs> now you look like the hamburger. Now you look like, oh, man. <laughs> oh, I'm that guy, that annoying <laughs> guy from uh, Back to the Future. <laughs> ah, nice. Well, I think this show's over when he's playing with filters. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think the show's oui, over. Oui. Yeah. yeah, let's get out of here. <laughs> Say goodnight, Earl. <laughs> what is this oh and everyone out there should go listen to touch too much tonight because that's yes. like the best rock song ever i agree with that that's a that's my probably my favorite song on the album How second would be, be if you want blood you've got it i mean what a lyric she had a body of venus with arms <laughs> oh, his flow yeah i mean you know body of venus i mean that is beautiful you know all the innuendos in in, in ball in you know, big balls is just freaking just it, oh, all man. the innuendos you know him oh, brings in um, seafood cocktails yeah <laughs> abs. Uh, crabs crayfish um my Girls balls got, are always bouncing. Yeah. Shot down in flames. I think that's the only rock song I ever heard where the singer gets shot down in flames by a chick he's trying to get up. She mocked all my money. It is the most anti-80s song ever. It's like, the, you know, like all the 80s hair metal talked about getting girls and everything like that. And all those songs that we've been listening to. Thanks, Wayne. Yeah. You know, I've all been getting girls. And then this one's about just getting shot down in flames. Yeah, he's basically, you know, he tries to pick up a chick. She laughed at my money, said, but he didn't really care. <laughs> but he, you know, and then of course the last line, I never even came. Vaughn's <laughs> <laughs> the kind of girl who would have been, been happy to take in the ugly girl in the room. That's how awesome he was he definitely was. the he was definitely the ultimate wingman. He would he would he would fall on that grenade for everybody. Well, apparently he did with Rosie. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Even well, Rosie when they're weighing in at 19 stone. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that is going to be our Bon Scott tribute show for tonight. Um, some good news. We have a new show joining the network. It is called Metal Thrashing Nerd. It's uh, Metal Mike is uh, doing that show and he has guests on, on. He's not like us. You know, he doesn't have a million uh, co-hosts. But uh, he has uh, actually the, he had the last show he had we had Sean Peck on and he's going to have um, one of the guys from Lord on there and uh, some guys from Testament or somebody that worked with the with Chuck Billy from Testament or something. I don't know. But he's got another a bunch of shows coming up starting in June, I believe. So uh, that'll be very cool to have him on the network. So welcome Metal Mike to Rat Sound Review Network. Welcome. Does this mean I have to redo the intro? Uh, yes. Not the intro, but the advertisement. Yeah. All right. Advertising. Sir, you must you must do the advertising. Oh, and uh, th- a big shout out to uh, Eric Adams for uh, nice. getting our uh, banner, the Routside Review banner at his uh, Deep South Wrestling that he's doing with Nick Patrick, former WCW referee. So thank you, Eric. 
Yes, it's very it's cool. cool and they, then they played cool. our advertisement on their show as well. So that was kind of cool. To see on their that. on their actual show where they had paying guests. Yes. Yeah. Oh wow. One hundred fifty. Not that's awesome for an independent wrestling show. Absolutely, yeah, especially in Atlanta where there are people giving away tickets. So yeah. That's cool, dude. Yeah, very cool. Uh, Lou, what's going on with you and uh, Music is Life? Well, I got um, an episode that I'll be rolling out either tonight or tomorrow with Kevin Von Esper of Von Esper Studios. He is the man behind the life and slimes of Dookie Flyswatter and Haunted Garage. And he's also member 263 of 1000 of Green Jello. So uh, <laughs> looking forward to releasing that. And on June 3rd, I'm going to be interviewing the mastermind behind Trauma Pictures. And that would be Mr. Lloyd Kaufman. So cool. very happy about that. And and when is and when is your uh, Toxic Avenger show going on with uh, our other uh, people was from, from Just the Cheese? Yesterday. Oh, it's ah. out. Toxic it was, Avenger show with Just the Cheese. It's out. It was released yesterday on my YouTube channel. It's premiering Friday on uh, Ratsai Review. All right, cool. And I, I will be going on there as well. Uh, we're going to do a, a police academy. They didn't want to do my Truth or Dare movie. I can only see why they <laughs> wouldn't want to do that. I wouldn't want to do Madonna Truth or Dare, let alone your Truth or Dare movie. No, but I said, uh, since we're not doing it on their show, we're going to do it on my show. So get ready. I'm out that oh, night. I'd rather <laughs> oh, thank God I'm going to be gone for two weeks. Oh. Oh no, it's not right. You know, not in a few weeks. It'll be down the line somewhere. Maybe Halloween. Please, that no. would be Jesus Wayne. Yeah, wait. <laughs> Plus, thankfully, I got. Thankfully, do it. Do it on Halloween weekend. One person gonna be gone. Perfect. Where Where did the grown up touch you when you were a child to make you hate good movies? Now, where's my doll? Where did <laughs> Where did Spielberg <laughs> touch you? <laughs> Uh, all right everybody. Why, why are you what? doing a crystal skull on us Swain? <laughs> why are you taking all the guns and replacing them with radios and cell phones oh, we don't talk about guns today not a good week yeah, uh, not a good week no no, no good... I'm, I'm doing the bit from south park i know oh, yeah, you're I doing know. the bit from wrong south time park. wrong time operation human shield ladies and gentlemen greg's trying to get off of here so let's get out of here what? he can oh. do the bit from south park and i'll even do something for south park. what what i thought this was america ratsalreview.com please hit that subscribe button right here on youtube because you're watching it right here right now and hit it on itunes spotify um anchor if you can if there is a subscription on anchor i don't know but do it ratsalreview is it yeah ratsalreview.com and we will see you guys next week Looking for some new podcasts to listen to? Well, look no further than the Ratsai Review Network. Ratsai Review is taking over the podcast world with plenty of shows to choose from within their network of entertaining programming, including the flagship show Ratsai Review with Wayne Noon, Greg Noggle, and Lou Mavs, as well as occasional co-hosts Manny Mejias and James Lilquist. We also have the official Ratsai Review spinoffs, such as Album vs. Album, Screams from the Grave, where we discuss beloved yet forgotten hard rock and metal albums of the past, 
the King Diamond podcast called This Broadcast Belongs to Them. We've also got Old Man Metal's Musings, The Right Opinion with Harrison Bergeron, Beyond Bushido, a podcast dedicated to pro wrestling and MMA with James Elquist and Eric Adams. No relation to the guy from Manowar or the mayor of New York City. The Vieira Ball with Ralph Vieira. Schnackle a to you too, Ralph. The Timo Toki podcast featuring Stradivarius and Avalon founding member Timo Toki. The BS Sessions with Mark and Jerry. Just the Cheese, Please, a podcast dedicated to cheesy films of the 1980s with Tara J and Adam. The Friday Night Party with the great Harry Barnett and Evie. And the Music is Life podcast with Lou Mavs. The Rat Style Review Network is your go-to one-stop shop for the best podcasts out there today. Go to ratstylereview.com for more info. And to find out where you can find, follow, subscribe, and comment on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and all streaming platforms. The Rat Style Review Network. We're, We're taking over. Grrrr.